0: Well, it is fun to have you here. Thank you so much for being here at Timberline. We appreciate you taking the time. And how many of you know it rained yesterday? <laughs> that was kind of fun, wasn't it? I, I kind of enjoyed it. It got really cold and uh, crazy, but I think sunshine's on its way. So uh, that's always good. We know it can be kind of awkward to be a guest at a new church. I met some guests this morning kind of walking around saying we're not sure where to go or how to plug in. We just want to say thank you for, for finding a place to park and getting in here. And we hope you feel at home. That's the main thing. And uh, there are many great Bible-believing churches in northern Colorado here. And if you are looking for a church, our goal is that we want you in one of those, Okay. So if it's Timberline, great, get involved. There's a connection card in the chair back in front of you, unless you're on the front row then it's right behind you. Take one of those out if you're a guest and uh, look it over, put your name, email address and stuff on there. We promise we're not coming over, we're not calling you, we're not going to bug you or put you on some mailing list, all right? The only thing we will send you if you ask us to is if you check the boxes on the back and maybe you have an interest in certain ministries that we do here at Timberline and you want to know about them. We just email you the stuff about the ministries you ask for okay so thank you for taking the time to fill that in and we're going to actually take our offering in just a minute so you can get ready to put those in the offering and those of you getting ready to give we usually do it at the end but we're going to uh, do it in just a minute so if you would prepare that hey just make sure you look through the bulletin uh, we have put just about everything in print we can trusting you'll read this take it home with you with you and a lot of good information as always we have tables in the mall today. And there are seven, and that's places where you can connect with people, talk to people, ask questions about some of the ministries. So if uh, something piques an interest as you look at that, please go out there and talk to the people out there. One final thing before we dive into the the message here is... uh, Starting next Sunday, anyone who is going to consider going to the Windsor campus for church when we open, which will be in December, um, we have three meetings that we're going to invite you to and uh, just to enjoy. It's not a church service. It's just a meeting to talk about concepts, philosophy. Pastor Reza, the campus pastor at Windsor, will be leading those meetings. And there are three Sundays in a row starting a week from today in the South Auditorium at 1130. Okay, so anyone considering going to Windsor, just uh, come to church in one of the other services, but then pop in there at 1130, and a lot of good stuff uh, ahead for you guys. I look forward to that. It's really, the sheetrock is up now. We're going to be showing you some more pictures before long. It's just crazy how, how good it looks. Hey, ushers, would you come? This is our time when we are going to give uh, his tithe our offerings. You guys, thanks for your faithfulness, okay? Um, Thanks for putting God first, even in your finances. Those of you who have great needs right now financially, we're going to continue to pray with you. Uh, It's a tough season for a lot of people, so just uh, try to do your best with God. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Um, Help us to just be good stewards of what we have. We just ask you to use every every penny for your glory. Help us to be really good stewards of uh, the generosity in people's hearts today. We love you. We worship you in this way today. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and dive in, even though I know you're giving in the offering, but uh, we'll get started here. We are in a series in the book of Ecclesiastes, if you are just coming along with us at Timberline. This is our third weekend, and the book of Ecclesiastes basically reminds me sort of of the weather yesterday. It's rainy, it's depressing, it's discouraging, it's cold, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, it's not that bad. But there are some, there are some tensions in this book that dri- are driving me crazy. And so I just need to, again, just let you know, I'm a little out of my comfort zone with some of these concepts, but it's really been good for me. It has really forced me into some veins of thought that I'm not sure I would have ever done if we hadn't jumped out into this series. So uh, I'm thankful for it. It's a stretch. I hope you're enjoying your small groups and you're feeling connected and you're learning and growing because that's really what church is all about. This is not a social club. Um, We are a battleship trying to make a difference in the world. Amen. And so let's be that. Let's learn and grow. Last week, um, we talked a little bit about what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas and the the results of our behaviors. And this weekend, we're talking about uh, back to the future. How many of you remember the movie, The Mad Scientist, and they take the car back in time? And do you, think it, do you think that movie and others like it are successful because we sort of have such an interest in wishing we could go back a few years sometimes and, and do something different? If I could just relive that one moment. Um, and then, and then it usually movies do a good job of showing if you did make a different decision, that brings out different ramifications. And sometimes it's worse than what it was. So, so today we're talking about this because Solomon is doing some rambling. He's, he's writing things down in his journal. Keep this in mind, especially this week, because he's going to say something that's pretty foolish. And he's a really wise man, but he's discouraged and he gets cynical and he makes some statements just kind of off the cuff and he writes them in his journal and here we're talking about it 3,000 years later. So um, I asked you last weekend to help me define success. And I said, could you email us here at the church? Success is, finish that sentence. And a whole bunch of you did. (laughs) Thank you. It was so fun and I've read all of them and uh, I'm gonna just share a few with you. Obviously I can't read them all, and some of you, I got to warn you, I, I asked you not to write me a book because I can't read them if they're long, but you just couldn't resist, could you? You just, you just got to typing and before you know it, I'm getting sermons on success, which was a lot of fun. But let me just read a few. This is, this is what your peers said here at Timberline, success is. You may agree or disagree with these. I'm just reading them as they are, okay? Success is measured by how well we fulfill the call God has placed on each of our lives. I think success is living one's life with meaning and having a peaceful heart. Success is the unrelenting passion and desire to love God, to be bound to him with all your heart, to obey his word, to count all things as loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Success is, this one really touched me, success is facing major surgery Monday, which would be tomorrow, And knowing, listen to this, Christ defines you, your life, your dreams, your hopes, your future, and your outcome. When I read this last night, a lady came up to me and she said, I'm the Monday surgery lady. And uh, she's going in tomorrow for cancer surgery. We prayed for her. And she is in God's arms. And she trusts the Lord with her life success for me is raising my children to be healthy and happy success is hearing godly words and seeing godly actions come from my 13 year old daughter praise god huh that's a good one there i like that yeah congratulations parents um success is i started to say just wait but I, i wouldn't say that um i'm kidding i'm kidding I like this. Success is the journey, not the outcome. What matters is you, what you learn and how much you grow. Success is my family intact. <laughs> this was one of my favorites. Success is a garage full of motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> then it says, just kidding. And then they give their real thought. Success is hearing God someday saying to me those words and to those I hold dearest, well done and welcome home. Success is when a person realizes there is a God and it ain't them. (laughs) That's pretty good, isn't it? Success is a moving target. What constitutes success at age 20 is very different than at age 60. Success is being the best mom I can be. I had a lot of dads and moms and kids stuff. I want to find this one. This is from a boy who's nine years old. Okay, I really enjoyed this. After looking up all the verses on success in my concordance, and the definition in the dictionary, it seems to me like it's the Lord who brings success to your life. <laughs> pretty sharp nine-year-old right there, would you agree? I thought that was pretty good, <clears throat> to know God and to make him known. It goes on and on. Here's the question. Why did people write what they wrote? Why, what is it in your filter, the way you think, that creates these moments for you to say, this is what I think success is? And and we all have different thoughts and patterns. That's what makes church so interesting is because there are no two people alike here. Different views, different worldviews, all kinds of issues in a melting pot. And God says, let's talk about life from scripture and let's define success from a biblical way, not just a secular way. So that's what we're going to kind of do as we walk through this. I hope you have a bulletin. Turn it over. Follow along on the outline. We're going to fill in some blanks together. The first thing I hope you'll write down is this. There are seasons in life. This is just a fact. It's just true. Ecclesiastes 3 is the, I think it's the best known part of Ecclesiastes. How many songs do you think have been written based on the first eight verses of Ecclesiastes. How many of you can think of at least one? Yes, yeah, secular and Christian. I mean, it's just amazing how many, how many songs, But because it's talking about there's a season for everything. As I read this, I'd love for you just in your mind to, to highlight some of the ones you're going through right now. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant, time to harvest. Time to kill, a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry, a time to laugh. A time to grieve, a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. Solomon is trying to think, he's, he's going through these polar opposites and yet he's saying there is value in all of these things. It just depends on what season of life you are in. And we all need to acknowledge that we are in seasons and I'm not sure we do. I think sometimes we recognize Seasons, but I'm not sure we really believe it's just a season. It seems like every time we go through some thing in our life, we think it's going to be here permanently, and it probably won't be. It seems like you grow up when you know when you're 12, you want to be 13 because you want to be a teenager. When you're 13, you want to be 16 so you can drive, and then 18, and then you want to be 21, you know? And then you hit 50 and go, whoa, whoa, that's enough. (laughs) I'll stop now. And it goes like that and so many things happen all these seasons how many people in the in these auditoriums are single you're single let me just just wave your hand at me okay a lot of you we have a lot of single people a lot of young adults at timberline love you praise god for you this is a season in your life i ask you will you fully appreciate this season in your life do you appreciate being single are you loving life I used to lead a singles ministry, and I used to say this all the time. If you're fulfilled as a single person, you'll probably have a shot at being fulfilled as a married person. Because marriage doesn't bring fulfillment. Why do so many single people waste this season wanting to be married? And then married people. How many married people? See? Don't waste this season wanting to be single. Right? Yeah. Enjoy this season it just it's crazy how many things i think of teenagers and some of you raising them and i remember when our kids were young and they're you know like five three and one and someone says to us oh take lots of pictures it's gonna go fast it won't be long none of them will be home and i'm like oh it's taking forever i will never live that long (laughs) please you just walk in their bedrooms and say grow up grow up grow up grow up grow up (laughs) not really and now they're gone our kids are gone, out of our home, and it's just like, wow, this is strange. It's a good thing I like my wife, you know. <laughs> but have, have I, am I enjoying, do I recognize, some of you are retired, some of you in work right now, it's just, oh, if I just had that job or this other job. Well, how about knowing this is the season and the job you have, enjoy it. It kind of leads right into the second point, which is similar, but it's how can I learn to embrace the season, um, not just recognize it, if I had my coat that I wore this morning here, if I could hang it over this chair and I could say, That's my coat. And we could all agree that that's my coat. But it's different if I put that coat on and I, it actually becomes a part of me doing its job around me. I'm embracing that. That's very different. Will you embrace the season you're in? Verse 9 in Ecclesiastes. What do people really get for all their hard work? Now, here goes Solomon. He's going to be talking about a bunch of stuff. I have seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. I love that, by the way, because that's why people know there's a longing to find God. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded, there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. It's kind of like Solomon is just saying, can you just embrace the journey? Can you just embrace this season? Will you just show up and enjoy what you do have instead of thinking about everything we don't have? Wow. I, uh, I hope I'm intentional about embracing the journey that I'm in in my life. I hope, I I wonder if I asked you, what have you done this week that you could actually say to me, I know I'm embracing this season in my life because of my behaviors. This is what I did or this is where I went or this was a discussion or this is what I wrote down. And you're saying, I'm embracing this season. You know what touched me last night about Mary who came up here for prayer for cancer who's facing surgery tomorrow is that she said, I don't want to have cancer. I didn't choose it. But I'm going to embrace it because I have it. And I'm going to put my life and hands into people who know more than me about it. And I'm not going to miss any potential relationships along the way. And I just thought, wow, what is that about? What kind of living is that? Um, number three, I can know that I am not alone in this season. I can know that I'm not alone. Um, you guys, this is sort of where we have those, you know phrases of um, "Someone else has been there, done that." The pain you have right now, the issues you're going through, it doesn't mean someone has gone through it exactly, but it probably means we can learn and grow from each other. Look at what Solomon says in verse 14. "And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. What is happening now has happened before. What will happen in the future has happened before because God makes the same things happen over and over again. Now Solomon is starting to go on a little bit of a venting. He's going to say something in a minute that's kind of shocking and it's not true. And, And he's starting that right here. He's starting to say, God just has designed us to put up with the same old stuff over and over again. And I'm tired of it, I'm bored with it. Remember who Solomon was, you guys. Extremely rich, $3.6 million a day, just in gold income. Okay, this guy's wealthy. He has it all. He's given himself to every pleasure that feels good to him. And he's stepping back here in these moments and he's saying some things like, chasing the wind. It all just goes in a big circle and, and there's nothing really we can do about it. And it caused me to think about this a little bit. It caused me to ask the question, am I really taking advantage of your experiences in a healthy way? That's why I love the church. That's why I love the body of Christ is because you've gone through stuff with your kids and family and extended family that I may be going through now and I really could use your insight. And so that's why Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians and he says, hey, make sure that the hand doesn't say to the foot, I don't need you. Make sure that you recognize there's help here, there's strength here, there's experience here. And before we make decisions that might wound us or hurt us, let's be diligent about finding people in our lives who can help us walk through what we're walking through currently. Because probably most of the things I'm going to face the rest of my life, there's someone out there who has faced similar things. Would you agree with that? So it's important for us to get that. The fourth thing in your notes is this. We must be careful about our foolish, logical conclusions. Now, I'm a logic guy, definitely. Steps one through three. It's how I think, um, definitely. Uh, a left brain strategy, I like numbers, all of that. Um, But what's interesting to me is how that can get me into trouble. And Solomon is about to make a declaration that's simply false. Remember, he's not writing theology, he's writing his feelings in a journal. And you you have to take that into consideration when you read books like Ecclesiastes, and he's just writing his feelings. It's true that he said these and he feels these things, but it's not truth in terms of inspired word of God telling him to write this for us. You'll see as we read it. Verse 16, I also noticed that under the sun there is evil in the courtroom. Yes, even the courts of law are corrupt. I said to myself, in due season, God will judge everyone, both good and bad, for all their deeds, which I believe is true. But verse 18, I also thought about the human condition, how God proves to people that they are like animals. For people and animals share the same fate. Both breathe and both must die. So people have no real advantage over the animals. How meaningless. Both go to the same place they come from. Uh, They come from dust and they return to dust. For who can prove that the human spirit goes up and the spirit of animals goes down into the earth? What is Solomon doing? He's getting cynical and life's not making sense to him and he's basically reached a point where he's just had it and he just starts spewing out these thoughts is in his logic saying this, hey, a dog breathes this air, I breathe this air. A dog returns to dust, I'm going to return to dust. Both of those things are true, aren't they? Then he does this logical twist of, well, then we're just the same. See, Solomon has lost his identity. Solomon has made some huge mistakes. And Solomon forgot in the Garden of Eden that God created man in his own image. We are not like animals. There is a difference. God put something in us that is different than the animals have. So why would Solomon come to this conclusion? Because he is sick of thinking about things that he has hope in and then his hope is dashed. Now, Solomon's not being obedient to God as he's walking through this. I personally think he's not hearing from God in the way that he would if he was walking in obedience to God. And, and I know God can speak when he wants, but I think Solomon is wasting away and he's given his best logic and his mind to foolishness. Now, here's how I think this impacts us, and this is why I think it's important for us today. Do you ever do that? Can you justify stuff that you know is wrong and do it anyway? Go like this. I'm shocked at how many people justify behaviors that 10 years ago they would have said, I would never consider doing this. But it's a little bit at a time. And it just creeps into our lives. And before you know it, we're actually contemplating things that are going to destroy us. But we don't see it coming. And we don't realize it because it's just a little bit at a time. And in our brain, we we justify it. And we have logic through it. And this is what I need. And that selfish center comes out and suddenly I'm making decisions based on not the ramifications of my actions but on violating the very plan and will of God because I just feel like I'm saying this and I'll move on but I believe believe in some ways God is sending me here this weekend and this moment for a warning to somebody to please stop the filter you're using is broken you think it's logical this decision you're making it's going to wreck your life please go slow in this, whatever it is. I just challenge you to think through whatever it is and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And, and let's really not just use our logic for selfish pursuits. One last question on this and then we'll go to those thoughts to ponder. Is it possible that you could ever in any way conceivably be wrong about something? Yeah, if, if we can know that, then, then it can sort of quell passions that are not good. Because I, I, need to, I need to put my foot on the ice and say, will this hold me? Is this really where I want to go? Is this worth doing? Because I've been wrong before and it doesn't feel very good and I don't want to fall and drown. So let's, let's be people who are sensitive. That's what the leading of the Spirit is all about. It's not spooky. It's actually really something powerful in our lives. Let's use wisdom in the right way. Okay, enough of that. There's, there's four things I want you to ponder with me, just for a few moments. All of them are things that are challenging, and I'm not going to try to answer it all, but I want to throw them out there, and I hope you'll talk about them in your small groups. Number one is this. Pain or trials can make me responsive or cynical true or false you ever met someone that just goes through so much you can't believe it I mean it's like you're saying if I went through that I'd be dead by now I can't imagine and yet they are so tender and so broken and so humble about it and they love God and you just think how could someone be like this then you meet someone else that stubs their toe and has a little problem and I mean their fist is in God's face they're pointing their finger at him, and everything's God's fault, and this world is awful. And I mean, it's like anger and bitterness and resentment. And, and I don't know what the difference is. I just ask the question, which are you? And which will you become as you go through painful experiences in your life, disappointments in your life? Because you're going to go through things that don't feel good. You're going to be challenged, and it's going to build filters in your life for decisions that you make. I don't know how it is the second one it it even it's tough here it is we will face seasons that we do not understand i want to make you a promise today that you're going to go through stuff in your life that you don't want to go through and you don't understand why it's happening to you boy how's that for a nice positive message today Guys, that's why this won't. Won't you be happy when I get back to myself and I get out of Ecclesiastes? This is tough, but it's true. I don't understand certain things. We have a, a, a wonderful couple, friends. We life boy. I mean, kids, friends as kids, and and they lost a son at 11 years old, and and that's been years ago now. But it's not all better. They still don't understand. They still have pain from that. I'm not on a pity trip at all when I tell you this. It's just a fact about my life. And some of you know this and some of you don't. But my dad died of cancer when I was 14 years old. He was a man of God, a pastor of a great church. Left my mom with five kids, ages 18 to 8. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't understand why that happened. What was God thinking? And then it doesn't, it's not very helpful when, quote, we Christianize everything and people come up and say, "Well, Jerry, don't you see the hand of God in the big picture now?" And I say, "No. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't see the hand of God in it at all. I think cancer killed him." Now, could God intervene? Could Yeah, he could have. But he didn't. And you're going to have times in your life when you want God to intervene and he won't. And it's not because you have sin in your life or you don't have enough faith. It's because you are living in a fallen world. This is not the end. God's rule and reign and dominion is not yet established on this earth. And you're going to live with disappointment in your life. And that's tough to swallow, but it's just a reality. Number three, boy, this really gets fun. I can expect injustice in this life. Maybe I should just quit here. If I expect injustice, I'm less likely to blame it on God. Right? In this world, you will have troubles. Boy, was Jesus right. And some of you that are going through this and it's not fair. And what they said is not true. What they did wasn't right. Well, welcome to life on earth. That's how it is here. That's why we have an appetite for something more. Because we know this isn't the end. And I think if you can settle that in your heart, you won't try to fix it for everybody. Because just just having a happy prayer over someone who's grieving or wounded or is facing death because of disease sometimes isn't real helpful. Praying for them is helpful. But our cute little phrases in Christianese are not always helpful. Amen? So let's be cautious. We don't know the pain other people are going through. Let's journey with them. Let's fight the good fight. Let's come shoulder to shoulder and say, okay, this isn't easy. It's hard. This is tough what we're going through. But there is hope with God. God does care and God does love you regardless of what you're facing in your life. Number four, you won't be able to do life over. So make the best of it. I really want to leave you with that today. Solomon ends chapter 3 even though he didn't know it was chapters. This is what he says. He says, So I saw that there is nothing better for people than to be happy in their work. That is why we are here. No one will bring us back from death to enjoy life after we die. Now Solomon is not talking about eternal life with God. He's talking about life on this earth. Once you die, you're dead. No one's going to bring you back to this life as you know it now. And that's important for us to understand because I believe that is a truth. Am I living in the fullest potential possible that God has wired me to live in? And do I want to? I'm convinced some people don't even want to, but I hope you want to. And I hope your prayer today can be, God, help me to live life on full and help me to, to do everything in my power to make your name great and to walk in the fulfillment of your purposes in my life, not my own way. Will I trust him? Wow. Life is seasonal. Know what is beautiful. Keep asking questions. Don't be afraid of the mystery. Realize you can be wrong. And use your work for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, it's powerful to realize you are talking to us and through us, through this guy named Solomon. Means a lot to us and we appreciate it. Thank you for words that we can ponder and thoughts that we can develop. Use this, God, to to shake us, for some to really shake us. With heads bowed in these auditoriums, I just really feel like it's really important um, to just really open your heart to what God wants to say to you right now. I want to start with kind of that warning moment that I talked about earlier. If your logic has become foolish and it's, it's going to lead you on a path of destruction and maybe you already know that, could I just ask you to stop and rethink this? Just pay attention to the leading of God right now and any decisions you're making that you feel are more for you. I don't even know what that means and I don't even want you to raise your hand but I just want the Spirit to talk to you. If you've said, God, give me a sign that this is wrong. Well, I'm the sign. Stop and think about it. Pay attention. God does have a plan for you. See, here's the greatness of God. We are not left hopeless. Because the God factor shows us we can press through hardship because we have him in our lives. It doesn't mean that the hardships go away, but we press through. The second thing I want to pray for are those of you that would just be honest enough. And I do want you to raise your hand on this one to say, I'm wondering where God is right now. Just to be honest, I'm wondering where he is, the stuff I'm going through. I just don't know where he's at. Hold your hand up, would you? God bless you guys. Honesty is where you start, right there. Lord, you see the hearts, honest hearts, willing hearts to give it to you. And I thank you for moments like this where we can feel the sweetness of God talking to us. Where are you, God? Let faith arise in us to see you clearly. Another one is just, I'm gonna pray for those of you that would say, I need to embrace the season I'm in. Whatever that means to you right now, health, not health, marriage, single, work, I just need to embrace this season and walk through it as a person who wants to honor God. Hold your hand up if you. Lord, you see our hands and hearts and we just, we cry that out. Let us embrace this, whether we pick it or not, whether it's wonderful or horrible, we are here and we want to be used by your hand to make a difference on this earth. God, show us this isn't the end. Put Put a deeper hope in us about eternity that somehow makes us smile. I just pray that, God. I pray that over us and over our church. We love you today. We give you the praise. Lord, if there's anyone that doesn't know you personally, and today they feel drawn, if that's you and you know you're separated from God, would you just pray this prayer? Lord, forgive me. I have sin in my life and I need to confess it to you. I ask you for forgiveness. I know I'm separated from you. And I want to turn from those things. I don't want to live like I've been living. And by faith, I confess you as my Lord and Savior that you died on a cross for my sin and rose from the dead. I accept forgiveness, Lord, that you've given me to move on. Lord, we love you. Help us to get through these studies and change our hearts as we go in your name. Everyone said amen. Amen. (laughs)